Okay, great. Well, we're going to be starting a new series today on integrity. You should have got one of the sermon cards as you came in. And integrity is one of our culture traits. Let me just back, step back slightly to fill you in. So as a church, there are various things we want to see amongst us. It's, we want to see this atmosphere and feel amongst us that represents something of God and his kingdom. And we've identified a number of traits. These are different than our vision and our values and our goals, but obviously very closely linked to them. And these are six traits that we feel help communicate something of who God is that we want to see amongst us, but that are so part of who we are that they also flow out of us as we go about our daily lives, that we demonstrate these wherever we go. So these six traits are integrity, generosity, courage, honour, acceptance and forgiveness and we've we're working through different ones spending a few weeks looking at them so last year we looked at courage for a few weeks we looked at honor for a few weeks not that those are forgotten in any way you know we want to keep building on them and keep looking for celebrating when people are stepping out in those but today we're going to be moving on and looking at integrity being true to who we are and what we believe, living honestly before God and each other. There's such a desperate need for integrity. We don't need to look very far to see the awful fallouts in society when there are men and women who are living with no integrity or very little. The impact it has in all sorts of ways is horrific. There is a desperate need for men and women to rise up with integrity. We need to be people who demonstrate that wherever we go. And so we're going to be looking over these next five weeks at different aspects of integrity. The first four, looking at different sections, kind of, if you like, different work outworkings of integrity. Being real, dependability, telling the truth and living the truth. And then finally, the fifth week, which will lead into the next few sessions on Ephesians, we're going to be looking at integrity, particularly in the workplace. So today we're looking at integrity is about being real. And I want to show you a picture, first of all, of a fictional character. I wonder, does anyone think they know who this person might be? Mm, Not from Frozen, no. Well, anyone else like to have a guess? No, no, no Disney stuff. His name's Peter. His name's Peter Parker. Many of you, or probably most of you think, who? Well, if I show you his alter ego, a few more of you might recognise. This is a fictional character that's more recognisable as Spider-Man. Now, most of us wouldn't have a clue who Peter Parker was unless you're a superhero nerd like me. Because this fictional character generally spends his time hidden behind a mask. And people know the character wearing the mask, but they don't really know about this character without the mask. And we want to look today about being real. Do people know and recognize the real you? Do you reveal who you really are? Someone I know this week posted on Facebook, he's a a church leader, 
uh, in another New Frontiers church, actually. And he posted online, and he was very tentative about it originally. It was a, a repost from something he put a year ago about his struggles with depression. And he took the step about being real and just talking about it because he realized, actually, it's so important to talk about things that are difficult for himself, but also to help bring release for other people. And so he put it out there, and it was really amazing, the, the responses people put to encourage him. And then the, the, they could testify, saying, look, you've helped me to take a step to do this, that, and the other as well. Important part of having integrity is being real, authentic, frank, vulnerable, transparent, acting with candor. It requires courage, one of our other culture traits, because it can be so difficult to share who we really are. And as Sam mentioned to us already this morning, God's stirring something in us to be people who are real, to take those masks off, but it takes courage. It also requires acceptance, one of our other culture traits we want to see amongst us. Because if people are going to be real, they need to know that they're going to be accepted when they do. So we have a responsibility as a church to help create a safe environment so that people are able to be real, but also accept them when they actually are real as well. So many of us wear masks. Why do we do it? Well, all sorts of reasons. Maybe it's fear of what people will think. Maybe it's to keep up with the spiritual version of the Joneses. Maybe it's the expectation to perform or, you know, this is what Christians are supposed to be like. The thing is, none of us are perfect. Integrity doesn't mean we are perfect. It's very possible to fake things and give this air that everything is fine and everything's calm when really it isn't. God doesn't want any great pretenders in his kingdom. In fact, I was looking at the lyrics of the great pretender song by Freddie Mercury this week, and it's such a sad song. And it speaks so much of Freddie Mercury's life, really. I'm the great pretender, pretending I'm doing well. My need is such, I pretend too much. I'm lonely, but no one can tell. I'm the great pretender, I drift in a world of my own. I play the game, but to my real shame, you've left me to dream all alone. He doesn't want any great pretenders. God doesn't want any great pretenders. He wants us to be real. It's okay to have problems, someone said but not okay to pretend you don't. And that's what we want to be. We want to get to a place where we can admit when things are tough, when things are wrong. But why do we do that? Why do we want to be real? Is the first point we're going to look at this morning. And then we're going to look at being real with God and ourselves and finally being, God, uh, being real with others. So first of all, why, why do we want to be real at all? And that's aside from the fact, as it says here on the caption, because... Fake is exhausting. It's draining trying to keep up some sort of front. Trying to remember, well, who have I shown this particular version of myself to? And who have I shown this version? Because we don't always wear the same mask in different places, do we? With the same, we wear different ones in different places sometimes, don't we? Oh, well, these people know me like this, and these people know me like this. And it's exhausting. That's actually a title of a book, that particular one, Be Real, because fake is exhausting. But we want to be real because it allows God to work in our lives, first and foremost. When we get real with God, when we really share our sins, our struggles, our worries, our feelings, as well as our dreams and our passions, 
It deepens our relationship, our intimacy with him. It demonstrates we trust him. And it says, God, I want you to be involved in my life. And do you know what? God loves it when we do. He loves it. It releases us and brings us joy. You know, there's the old saying, a problem shared is a problem halved. When we get real with God, when we get real with people, it releases something. There's immense power in having someone who knows your worst secrets and still loves you. And I want to say, fairly early on here, that it's your right in this church to have two or three people that know the worst things about you and still love you. That's the sort of church we want here. We want to have people that know that they can talk openly about things that are on their hearts, on their, going on their lives, and they're not going to be rejected, but they're going to be accepted and loved and helped through things. When we get real, there's a release of joy. There's a lightness to it. Heaviness goes. You know, when we try and struggle and carry things on our own, it, it's, it's draining. Keeping things in the darkness robs us of energy and of joy. But being real also builds community. Being real with people, it deepens our friendships. It makes us approachable. Enables us to do the one anothering that's talked about in the New Testament. You know, there's so many phrases scattered through the New Testament letters about one anothering. One example, Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens. Well, we're only able to do that if we know them. So it, it kind of is a natural thing. If we're going to be able to do the one anothering talked about in the Bible, we need to be real so that people can one another us. I know it's bad language going on there, but hopefully you know what I mean. It increases warmth and understanding. Hiding sabotages intimacy. Being real enables people to build that relationship. And it also and I think this is where there's real power too, it gives others permission to be real. There's a greater freedom and release. When you see it being modelled, when you see people being vulnerable, you think, I can do that too. As we step out, others feel they can too. I just want to honour Sam Wilkes in this. You know, he's not here this morning, unfortunately, but here's a guy who is so open and vulnerable. He stood at the front here and talked about things that he's struggling with. And he does it in all sorts of contexts. He does it one-to-one, -one, he does it in groups, he does it up the front here. And the outworking of that is there is greater freedom coming because people like Sam are doing that. You know, I'm, I'm now in a fortunate position of being in his community group and he models it there as well. And the group rise to it. So we're doing Freedom in Christ like all the groups are at the moment. And you have those discussions and, and those questions that come up during the pause for thought times you know, you could just sit there quietly, listening to others. You could just give a very superficial, hypothetical, well, this is what some people might think in response to that question. Or you could say, well, this is where I'm at with that one. And what I'm seeing in our group is because Sam is someone who sets the kind of parameters of being open and vulnerable, the group are rising to that and sharing stuff as well. So I want to honour my group as well. It's not mine, Sam's group. Because they're stepping out and being vulnerable. And it, and it kind of carries on like that. So I want to say one of the great reasons to be real is because it releases and frees others to do the same. 
Our honesty can give courage to someone else to be real, who in turn can give courage to someone else to be real, and so on. It's a wonderful cycle to get into. This is what the Bible says about being real. 1 John 1, 5 to 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Being real is God's plan for us. He is light. We are his children called to walk in the light, not hiding in the darkness. So the first people, if you like, that we need to be honest with, the first area is being real with God and real with ourselves. And actually for many of us, being real with ourselves is one of the hardest things. But we can't really be authentic with others until we've learned to be so with ourselves and with God. And it's worth saying at this point, our identity is so important in this. I know we keep saying this over and over again, but we can't say it enough. Our identity is so important if we're going to be real. Those freedom in Christ truths, those ones from the first few sessions, we need to get those in us. Who we are in Christ is so important to understand that we are secure, significant and accepted. We can't open up with anyone unless we really understand what Jesus has enabled us to become through his blood. And that we know who our Father is too, that he loves us. He delights in us. He's not some far-off, distant entity who occasionally pops in to see us. He is here with us all the time and he wants the best for us. He has plans to prosper us. Ian, at our weekend away, he preached, he did um, two amazing sermons, the second of which talked, challenged us about being real. But you might remember, he didn't go straight there. He spent the first session reminding us and included stuff about who we were. And he said things like this. As parents, we, live, we like to speak about our children. We are adopted as God's sons and daughters. We need to walk confident of who we are. Do you hear the Father's affirmation? God likes you the way you look, your personality, the gifts you carry. You can come to him at any time. You have full access. He wants to speak to you. He's your father who provides and will protect you. This is something we need to keep coming back to. So that's our starting point. If we're considering being real with God, it's important to remember who he is and who we are in him. God wants us to talk to him about deep stuff. Things that matter to us. Psalm 62, 8 says, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him. Pour out your hearts to him. It's not a sprinkle a little bit of what you're thinking. It's not a, you know, just have a little bit here. It's pour out your hearts. There's that depth there that the psalmist is encouraging us 
to, to be like with God. He wants to hear it. And do you know what? He won't be shocked or disappointed because he knows it anyway. You know, it, it's not a scene like this. You, well, God, you know, I really want to tell you about this thing that I've been struggling with. Um, I, I, um, you know, when I was in the, in the shop yesterday, I, I, I shoved a few extra clothes in my bag when I was there. And God's not going to go, awkward. Bit tricky this one. Not quite sure, wasn't expecting this. No, he knows and he loves it when we come to him. Nicky Gumbel in Bible in the Year says, God wants you to be honest with him. He likes candor. He wants to hear what is on your heart. Jesus modelled this so powerfully in so many ways. But I guess one of the stories that, one of the events in his life that really struck me thinking about Jesus' honesty was in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. Matthew 26, let me just read a few verses to you. Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Jesus got real with God and with his friends, who unfortunately, their response wasn't the most helpful. But even that, he got real. Couldn't you just stay awake? The Psalms are so good at demonstrating reality and being honest with God too, aren't they? So many of the Psalms. Phil Flagg went up already this morning. My soul thirsts for you. Time and time again. You, you get, you, you know, so many of the Psalms, you get this journey of people just opening up and saying, God, what is all this about? Why is this going on? But I choose to trust in you. But they go through that process. They don't rush straight to the choose to trust in you. They explore it. They vent their frustration and their anger at times. Sometimes in ways when we look at it and we, we really comprehend what being said we think oh my goodness really you know if you want some ideas on this of getting real with God that the, the middle book of the Psalms book three which is Psalms 73 to 89 these are there's loads of them in there that just lament and vent and yet then explore God's faithfulness in new ways as a result verses from Psalm 69 says this, save me O God, save me O God for the waters have come up to my neck, I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold, I've come into the deep waters, the floods engulf me, I am worn out calling for help, my throat is parched, my eyes fail looking for my God. That's pretty raw isn't it? It's pretty raw. Do you get raw with God? Do you get real with him? 
So this week, I felt pretty rubbish. Not physically, just felt a bit flat, low, distracted with various things going on, fed up. And I didn't really know how to get out of it. I was just, oh. And there wasn't really lots feeding into it. It was just one of those things. It was just a bit of a bleh. And so Friday morning, I dropped uh, the kids off at school and I went for a walk around Stamber Park. And I walked and I prayed and I vented at God a bit and I said, what is going on? Why am I like this? God, I need you. And actually, another thing I did was I listened a lot to that song that Paul taught us last week. I would come to the altar and God ministered to me massively through that. He took me from where I was and it was like I've just been saying, these, these psalms, God took me through that journey of getting honest with him and then seeing him come through as I chose to put my faith in him. But it required honesty. I needed to battle through. Phil Moore, in his Straight to the Heart of Psalms book, says this, When we are honest with God, it makes room for him to refocus our vision and to transform our hearts even as we pray. And that's what I experienced myself this week. That's what I saw going on when I was fed up and, and, and what is going on. I, I expressed my heart to God and he was able to change me and refocus me. I found that to be true. And do you know what was even more amazing? I got home and as soon as I walked in and shut the door and thought, right, now what am I going to do? Better get on with some work. The doorbell went and Phil popped round to see me. God answered my prayers even in that. He knew I just needed someone to come alongside and say, how are you doing? And Phil did. And so not only was I able to be honest with God, but then I would be able to be honest with someone as well. And I found that so helpful. God knew what I needed. So we're to be real with God and ourselves, but also we're to be real with others. Others in the church, in this community. Allowing people to see you for who you are is a healthy thing. It's so much healthier than keeping up some sort of pretense. It might get messy. And we had a word about that the weekend away as well, didn't we? could get messy, but families are messy. Being real with others about your sins and your struggles, but also about your dreams and your passions. You know, we can get excited, it's allowed. Some of us just think we just need to keep this maintain this kind of, but no. You know, God's given us a whole range of emotions and he's given us our dreams and our passions and our desires and he wants us to express those as well as admitting our struggles and our weaknesses. I think some people need to know that. They need that. You need to hear that this morning. We don't just have to be this. Jesus came to give life to the full, not to the, Okay. <laughs> Do you know, Paul was glad to boast in his weaknesses. 2 Corinthians talks about that. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other. It's God's design that we get real with one another. And I've shared before with you, my heart for our church is to be a community of people 
who delight in coming together to worship the King of Kings, not worrying about what others think, but expressing themselves before him wholeheartedly and unreservedly. A people who rejoice with those who celebrate and grieve with those who mourn. A people who ask for, give and receive help when they need it without hesitation, reluctance or embarrassment. A people who listen, really listen to those who are sharing needs and take action to help and support them. A people who choose to lay down their masks and let others see them for who they really are. None of those things are going to happen unless we are open, honest and real with one another. One of the things that I found so helpful in my life is being accountable to people, sharing what's going on in my life, the good, the bad and the ugly, if you like. And I found that throughout my life, throughout my life, just having those times where I have a person, someone that I can meet up with regularly, and they ask me, well, how's it going in this area of your life? What's going on in there? What about the thing you talked to me last time about? I found it so helpful. Sometimes, yeah, it makes me squirm. Oh, they're going to ask me about that thing. Oh, I'm going to have to tell them that I did this. But it was so helpful to bring it out into the light. It breaks the power to bring things out into the light, actually because it's in the darkness where stuff can hold us. And I found ongoing release and support, knowing they were praying for me and the things that I was struggling with. You know, we have that amongst the elders as well. You know, we, we talk to each other about how things are going on. I think it's useful for you to know that, that system's in place. You know, yeah, I, I lead the eldership team, but I'm not on it on my own. And I, I'm so glad of that because it's a protection for me, but for you as well. You know, if I start saying things that are not right, they can say, well, hang on a minute, what's going on here? We have that accountability, and I'd encourage you, if you haven't got that sort of relationship, look for it, ask for it. Say, look, I'd love to meet up regularly with you. In Ian's preach on the weekend away, he'd said this, when was the last time you shared how you are really feeling? Look to share deeply, share mistakes as well as successes. And then he gave this quote that just makes me go, ouch. Our churches are filled with people who outwardly look contented and at peace, but inwardly are crying out for someone to love them. Just as they are, confused, frustrated, often frightened, guilty, and often unable to communicate even with their own families. But the other people in the church look so happy and contented that we seldom seldom have the courage to admit our own deep needs before such a self-sufficient group. I don't want our church to be like that. I want our church to be a place where people know they can come and be real and be accepted, and there can be that freedom. You know, I started this year by saying that one of the things God wants to make a hallmark of KCC is that we a place of freedom. And being real is about walking into freedom. This is a freedom message this morning, everyone. It takes practice, especially for us men. We're not so good at being open. It takes courage. The song that Emma and Darren wrote on the weekend away sums this up so well. You're giving us courage to let the mask fall, bringing a heart to be real. You're building together a family in Christ, a people chosen by God. Being real with and accepting each other frees us to go out and be their hope 
as well. To be real about our faith with unbelievers. To come out, if you like, as Christ followers. There's all this kind of thing, oh yes, I've come out. What about coming out as a Christ follower? As I was thinking about this, I really was struck by, and some of you might have seen it before, that the, video, the interview with a couple of American divers after the Rio uh, 2016. They were silver medalists in the synchronized 10-meter swimming, uh, diving. And I just wanted to play you this clip because these are guys that are being real. And this is where God wants to take us, being real with others, yeah, within the community, but also with those who don't yet know him. So I wonder if we can just watch this. David and Steele, congratulations. David, you came to Rio with a gold and bronze from London and a whole lot of pressure. What does it mean to come out and medal here in the Synchro event? Yeah, I, I just think the past week, there's just been an enormous amount of pressure and I've felt it. And, um, you know, it's just an identity crisis. When my mind is on this and thinking I'm defined by this, then my mind goes crazy. But we do have to know that our identity is in Christ. And we're just, we're thankful for this opportunity to be able to dive in front of Brazil, in front of the United States. And uh, it's been an absolutely thrilling moment for us. You now have gold, silver, and bronze Olympic medals. How much does this free you up for the individual event? It does. It takes a lot of pressure off of me, but um, this this never could have happened without Steele, without him pushing me, without him loving me well, uh, encouraging me, and my wife has just been a solid rock, and uh, I, I couldn't have done it without them. Well, and Steele, for you, your first ever Olympics, first ever Olympic event, how were you able to maintain your composure so well? I think the way David just described it was flawless. The the fact that I was going into this event knowing that my identity is rooted in Christ and not what the result of this competition is just gave me peace, it gave me ease, and it let me enjoy the contest. If something went great, I was happy. If something didn't go great, I could still find joy because I'm at the Olympics competing with the best person, the best mentor, the, just one of the best people to be around. Um, so God's given us a cool opportunity, and I'm glad I could have come away with an Olympic silver medal in my first ever event. All right, congratulations to you both. Thank, Thank you yes. very much. I just drove it in, they beat Tom Daly, and yeah. But isn't that amazing, being declared on national television in America? These two guys, our identity isn't in our performance and our diving, our identity is in Christ. They were able to be real because they knew who they were and they were able to then be real out in the world as well. And that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be real out there. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 says this, But in your hearts revere Christ the Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Be ready. Be real. Let's be real and honest about our faith. Let's not hide it away. Let's not keep it for Sunday mornings and community groups. Let's be real when we're out and about in the workplace, down the street. Let's talk about what we believe. You know, there's a time coming where we probably won't be able to as easily. Let's make use of the fact we can right now. Let's be real. Let's be like David Bediah and Steele Johnson, you know, declaring my identity in Christ. Actually, for those of you who are interested, and Colin was flagging up biographies, David Bediah, the, the shorter guy there, 
he's written a book about his faith and about his diving and stuff, which might be an interesting read. I'm planning on getting it myself. It's just come out in the last few months. But yeah, let's be real. Let's be real with God, with ourselves, with others. I want to finish by reading uh, an article I came across on the Desiring God website by a pastor called Stephen Lee. He said this, How are you doing? It's a pet hate of mine that I'm also guilty of when those words are used as a greeting rather than as a question. It's easy to say, how are you doing, without actually wanting a substantive answer. Sometimes people will ask me that without even breaking stride as they pass me by, the only appropriate or even physically possible answer becomes, oh, fine, or good, even if things may not be so. This type of shallow greeting embodies a lot of our everyday interactions. We often hum along the surface in relationships, but rarely plunge beneath to the real state of our hearts. Christian community should be one of the places where people can actually be vulnerable. Gathering with fellow Christians should be one of the few times where we don't hide the realities of life. To be vulnerable may mean to be honest about sin or brokenness or weakness or just the general mess of life. Vulnerability encompasses guilt from the past, low-level anxiety, loneliness, sadness, or a general lack of joy or satisfaction. Some may be doubting God, feeling overwhelmed or inadequate as as a Christian, husband, wife, parent, or employee. There's a danger when Christians are expected to be open and honest, but are not. If someone opens up about an issue and others respond with flippant attitudes, Christian cliches, total silence, shock and disgust, or perhaps even indifference, This discourages and even prevents openness. It communicates to the one who shared, as well as the others in the group, that what was shared is unimportant. Others will remember this experience and never share anything vulnerable about themselves or when Christians fail to respond well to tender moments, it stunts friendships and ministry and it leads to nice but superficial relationships. He then goes on to talk about this idea of redemptive vulnerability. So what is redemptive vulnerability? To be vulnerable is to be susceptible to being wounded or hurt in the context of community. Vulnerability is opening up about one's humanity. It's to admit that we are not perfect people. We have not arrived. We are broken, unfinished people who live in a world that is itself is broken because of the fall. We experience depression, burnout, cancer, sadness, death, grief, disability, disease, relational strife, loneliness, lust, anxiety, and the list goes on. But our story doesn't need to end with brokenness. Redemptive vulnerability, a vulnerability that leads to life, is where we share our brokenness in order to display the surpassing power and sufficiency of Christ and the gospel, which transforms us increasingly into the likeness of Christ. Vulnerability is not an end in itself. Rather, our vulnerability should point us individually and together with other believers to the sufficiency of Jesus. It looks at and hopes in the redemption we have in Christ Jesus and the work of the cross. We want to be a people of integrity. People of integrity are real. Let's be people who are real with God, ourselves and with others. Why? Because it allows God to work in our life. It releases us and brings us joy. It builds community. It gives others permission to be real too. Let's lay down our masks and share deeply. Let's act with candor. Be open about our worries, our concerns, our struggles, our sins, as well as our passions and our dreams.
God wants to bring freedom. He wants to make that a hallmark of our church. And freedom comes through being real and honest. Let's make it a point of what we do. And yes, it takes courage. It takes acceptance. But the alternative is at best. I think God wants to bring release this morning. I'm going to get the band to come up. And I think there's some people that, yeah, even through the worship time already, as we've been dwelling afresh on God's goodness and God's faithfulness, and Sam saying about being real and taking off the mask, even through that, before I even got up to talk, God was saying, yeah, there's a new level of honesty and realness. But there's a, a fear in that too. And I just think God wants to bring some release from that fear of having to have everything sewn up, everything all together. And it's not, like Helen said, about us then collapsing and falling apart because actually God won't let that happen. But there's that fear. What if people really know what I'm like? Or the gospel, the good news, is that God knows what you're like and he still loves you. That's the foundation that we all have as Christians, that God does know, and yet he still loves us.